Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! All right, guys, before we get started today, I want to tell you about a couple games. Introducing Ultimate Chargers, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Open packs, collect players, pick your lineup, and crush the competition. Ultimate Chargers, play now inside the L.A. Chargers app. Also, Chargers Picks Now, the official L.A. Chargers Pick'em Contest, is where you predict the game outcomes for a chance to win a Chargers jersey. Check out the free-to-play Chargers Picks tab in the L.A. Chargers app to play. And welcome in to a Sunday night football edition of Chargers Weekly. As always, joined by Matt Bunny-Smith. Money, we're doing this two Sunday nights in a row now. It's just been announced uh, this week that the Chargers and Chiefs at SoFi Stadium going to be Sunday night, but we'll be in Santa Clara this Sunday. Tough game for the Chargers, um, but I want to start in Atlanta and get your overarching takeaways like we do to start the pod each and every week. Chargers escape, man. They're 5-3. and three. Um, First quarters aren't pretty. They find ways to win, and they did it again in the ATL. Yeah, look, you know, I said it on the, the broadcast, inauspicious start. You know, you got Tyler Algier that rips off a 44-yard run. It's, it's hot knife through butter against the defense on that first Atlanta offensive possession. And then, you know, you got a three and out. And, you know, as the, the Falcons are again driving down the field with little resistance, it's like, man, this is, this is not good. And I think we all had some suspicions. Um, and, well, and I, by, by us, I mean, look, we talked about it. I was like, this is going to have to be a Chargers outscore the Falcons because I, I see some issues defensively, and that's kind of how it was setting up. And, unfortunately, the offense wasn't producing at all in those first two possessions. And then, you know, you credit the coaching staff. You know, and you credit Justin Herbert because something clicked after they went down 10-0. You know, they're facing a third and 15, and all of a sudden, you know, Herbert climbs the pocket, delivers a strike on a crosser down the field, and now we're moving. And now the offense has found a little bit of rhythm, and your checkdowns are working, and your layered throws are starting to show up in the second quarter. Um, and he's spreading the ball around. Michael Bandy's getting you first downs. And they're converting, I think on that, I want to say on that drive, or maybe it was back-to-back drives, they went four for four on third downs. Mm. And everything sort of shifted. Now, that's offensively. You know, they still struggled to run the ball a little bit. Um, but defensively, they then changed their approach. They went big up front. You know, they added that extra defensive lineman. So, I mean, they were on that first set of, on, on that first Atlanta offensive possessions, they at times had two down linemen. Um, and then they had three, and then all of a sudden, here's four guys trotting out. It's Austin and Sebastian. It's Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day. It's um, They're bringing out Covington. And then they started going with these six-men fronts, and it started working. And now Atlanta's struggling to run the ball a little bit. You know, they're, they're definitely struggling a little bit more. They can't pass the ball, and they're timing up you know, timely blitzes on third down, something that we talked about, you know, it's like, Hey, what would you, you asked me what, and I'm not trying to say, Hey, I said this should happen, but you said, what do you want to see? I was like, dude, just keep guys up. You know, I'm going to trust Asante. I'm going to trust Mikey on the outside. I just want to see pressure. I'm tired of seeing quarterbacks stand back there with too much time. And what they do, they started heating up, you know, Marcus Mariota because they couldn't get home with four and you know, it worked, you know, Drew gets a sack. And Derwin gets a sack, and I'm and I think, and I think the game plan is we kind of flip this thing forward. And I'm not saying we're going to do that right now, but as we flip it forward to San Francisco, I hope we see more of that. I hope we're going to see more of these four down linemen um, and well timed blitzes and being aggressive defensively instead of just kind of playing that too high shell. We're going to keep everything in front of us. Ben, don't break. We're going to make you make a turnover at some point because you're going to run too many plays on this drive. You know, I really liked the way they adjusted after that first quarter. And I think you saw both the offense and the defense find a little bit of a rhythm. That sack on Mariota, Derwin's sack, I mean, that was a monster sack, eight-yard loss. I asked him after the game if that was the play that kind of switched the momentum defensively. And he, he referenced the, the Drew Tranquil sack that you just talked about. Yeah. said so that, that kind of got us going. Money, do you remember the hit? You have to remember the hit that he put on Algier that he kind of helicoptered. Oh yeah, I mean, oh yeah, dude. Like it, it wasn't to the Kelsey level in week two, but like Derwin just impacts the game 
it's just he's so violent. You know, I mean, Mario the Mariota sack, I felt like that's that was the play defensively that kind of turned it around for them. I still maintain that. I know Drew had that sack before, but I I, I can't get past these first quarters, man. They've been outscored fifty-one to three in first quarters over the last four weeks. And you can't do that against good teams. You, you saw what Seattle did. Like, you go up 17 nothing. They, they tried to climb back in it. It wasn't enough. You can't do that against the 49ers, and you sure can't do that against the Chiefs. But in the second quarter, they've outscored their opponents 52-17 in that span. So, like, best in the league. It's, like, it's worst in the league, best in the league, those first two quarters. It's the, it's, it, I can't, it makes no sense. Can you explain it? it? It's like you get well, hit in the mouth, you get hit in the mouth, but then you find a quick way to counter, I guess. Yeah, so – you know, I don't know. I look. I, I have no idea. But you typically hear about a team that goes into, and so let's talk about the Raiders and what they're dealing. Like I'll, I'll kind of run this as a parallel with the Raiders going into a game. It appears as though Josh McDaniels has got a pretty good plan. He's, hey, yeah. you know what? I know what this defense wants to do. Here's a set of plays that I'm going to execute that's going to give us an advantage early, right? And then all of a sudden. Once you get through that and the defense knows what you're now doing and they make their adjustments, Raiders have not been able to counter the adjustments to what they've come into the game with. So they get yeah. these big leads and then all of a sudden they disappear because they got nothing left. They've used all their bullets. For whatever reason, the Chargers are coming into these games and the script's just not right. It's for, you know, I, I, that's the only thing. And look, it's not just the play callers. And that's, look, I, I know we'll... You may want to avoid it. I don't mind taking this stuff on the little back and forth I had with Dan Orlovsky online. I don't mind getting into that, you know, because there's just so much incoming on Joe Lombardi right now and on Staley and on why are they inhibiting Herbert? Look, some of this is on Justin. Like there's, it's, it's a mixed bag. Some of it is on Justin. He is, he is such a fast processor. And we've talked about this before that as soon as he sees someone open, the ball's gone and the pocket's still clean, and there's routes still developing downfield, but he's already gone through, and he's like, oh, wait, open guy, let's go get the three yard. Let's go get the four yards. Let's get the five yards, you know, instead of me throwing it away, getting zero yards, or maybe taking a sack because tight ends are struggling to block, and offensive line is getting messed up a little bit on stunts, and now we might be seeing Storm Norton out there at right tackle, and we got Jamari Sawyer at left tackle instead of Rashawn Slater. Like, I get it. So that's kind of what my issue is with, with Dan. It's like, hey, dude, this is not a singular issue. This isn't just Joe Lombardi is, is calling a wrong – is calling – his scheme is wrong for what the personnel is. They have no speed on, at wide receiver since Jalen Guyton went down. You know, they don't have guys that can get open quickly like Keenan Allen at the line of scrimmage where he's shimmy gone and now he's open and he's got a slant for 10 yards, you know. You can't – when you don't have speed, like this is what, this is what makes speed so important. I know I've turned this into a long answer, and I don't mean to do that, but like the difference between four three and four five five, like that's that's when you're setting up in the pocket and you're waiting for your guy to be open yeah. downfield. When he's four three, now you can cut that thing loose. When he's four five, you got to stand in there and wait. And now your your pocket is collapsing, and now your protection has you know is becoming an issue. So. There's a lot of things at play. Um, the one thing I'll say is I'm hopeful. I, I'm hopeful, and I think so much – look, Justin's got a rib injury. This is the first time he has looked like Justin Herbert since the first half of the Chiefs yeah. game. He his looks ability good. To, yeah, his ability to stand up, his ability to move around, his ability to extend plays. Um, it's the first time we've seen it. I still want him to run more. There, there's still grass in front of him, and I want him to take it. Um, and I think we saw that tail off at the end of last year. And I was like, man, what's going on? Why is he not taking these lanes that, that Josh Allen has taken, that Marcus Mariota has taken? He is every bit the runner and athlete that they are. And I just I want to see him start taking it. Um, so I think it's a, a confluence of factors. Um, one, the script. You know, Maybe you really need to dig into the script and figure out what you're calling and, and change that up a little bit. Two, inability to run the ball effectively. Uh, and three, I think decision-making from Justin. I don't think it's as much – like the defense has got to stop the explosive plays. It's just – it's got to stop. It's, it's bad angles. It's Especially one on the guy, ground. You know, yeah, the 44-yard run was on Kenneth Murray. He, you know, he crashes into Van Noy and just – he's got to have contain there, and he just blew that, that lane, and that's what led to it. Like you've got to clean that up um, because those mistakes are leading to at least one explosive play, if not two, every single game. Let's get to the Orlovsky thing, because a couple of things there. I, 
I, I get what Dan was trying to do. Like he, he's watching the game in real time. He doesn't have that full context that, that you or I have, especially you in the booth. Um, and, and I think it's just, it's, it's hard to, to see that and not give him proper context. Like, Hey, the Falcons had the ball for almost 13 minutes in the first quarter. Um, we know Justin Herbert has injured ribs. Uh, we know that Rashawn Slater isn't in the ball game. There's no Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. So it's not like you could just magically turn into 2021's offense with the guys that you have on the field. I mean, it's very difficult to throw the ball down the field money when you don't have Jalen Guyton, your fastest guy, when you don't have your big play guy in Mike Williams, and you don't have Keenan Allen to, to do what he does. So I, I give Joshua Palmer a lot of credit for, for, for playing pretty well. He had that drop that led to the interception. Yeah, Gerald Everett had a, had a big drop to start the second half. Um, but I, I thought Palmer settled in. And at six for 108, that big 22-yard reception to set up the game-winning field goal. But I, I just think context matters when, when you talk about this offense. And we actually touched on this on Monday. Like, I think Chargers fans have been, like, frustrated by some of these wins, even though they're 5-3, and three, just because they don't look the same as they did last year. But the NFL is, is different every year, man. There's a ton of injuries on this team. They're finding ways to win, and hopefully they get guys back and don't lose guys like Austin Johnson and, and maybe potentially Trey Pipkins for this game on Sunday. Yeah, so for people that, that, that aren't on Twitter, one, congratulations. I wish I were yeah. with you. Um, people Dan, thought you are like, are you going to fight Dan Orlovsky? Like people- I love Dan. <laughs> you know, I get along with Dan. I just, you know, sometimes I get, you know, Dan has certainly been a big part of, and I get it. You, Justin Herbert is one of the most exceptional talents at quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. He is so accurate with the deep ball. He is so athletic and moving and being able to, to throw on the move. If, if those dumbass referees did not call a legal, you know, ineligible man downfield on Matt Filer for getting shoved forward and somersaulting five yards, yeah. that, that play would have been like a Dan Orlovsky at the big board. Like this, this doesn't make sense. Like humans should not be able to do this as Justin is moving at a rapid pace to his left, squares his shoulders, throws an anticipatory pass to Palmer who runs right into it as a layered throw 15, 20 yards downfield. Um, but my frustration with Dan was, Hey, they threw four passes. You know, this has become this, – this is ridiculous. I get it. If you want to take shots at Joe Lombardi for bringing the Saints offense with, you know, uh, a, a limited arm strength Drew Brees the last five years and trying to drop Herbert into that, yes, you're wasting that arm. You're wasting the ability to push the ball downfield accurately and get chunk plays and open things up so now you can get a run game and now you can layer throws. I, but that's not what that tweet was. The tweet was – I just finished watching the first, you know, in the first quarter, Justin Herbert had absolutely zero opportunities to throw the ball beyond seven yards. It's like, dude, it's four plays. And, and to be honest, if he had stood in the pocket, an extra beat, Bandy was breaking open on the in cut 10 yards down the field. So I couldn't make a case. Yeah, actually, there was one, but that's not the point. My point was, if you want to push this narrative, um, then I just think it's important to use context and, and not say – there wasn't a single pass available to Justin Herbert beyond seven yards in the first quarter. Yes, because the Falcons had the ball for 12 minutes and 42 seconds, and he, yeah. had, two, and he had a three and out. So that's, that was my issue. Now, there's people that are in my timeline that are, you know, and, and I don't get into my mentions a lot, so if I don't respond to you, I apologize. I just don't like it. I'm not Do it for your sanity. You don't go in there exactly. for your sanity. But they're like, hey, go get him. Look at what Dan did today on, on NFL Today on, on ESPN. And it's like, no, I – there are things that Dan's saying that I agree with. And he's talking about Justin Herbert and some of the issues that people had when he came out of college of being too protective, not wanting to make any mistakes because that was beaten into him by Mario Cristobal, who had a good run game and a really good defense. And that's how he wanted to play football at Oregon. And that's why Justin wasn't talked about as a potential number one overall pick with all the physical gifts that he had because of the style that he was asked to play at Oregon. And I think with the limited availability with the, the, the personnel he has in front of him on the offensive line. And, you know, I mean, just look, just to be perfectly candid, and I, I, I'm not trying to be malicious about this at all, but, like, Gerald Everett makes a critical mistake every single game. You know, the drop 
on that seam route that was wide open, that's going to go for 30, that's going to put the Chargers up double digits if they win that middle eight that we talk about with Bill Belichick. Talk about a drive starter. I think there's frustration there from Justin. You know, the interception from Josh, it's right on his hands. It slips through his hands, pops off his helmet, becomes an interception. That's on Justin's ledger. I get it. He's that that was the that was one of the knocks on Justin is he is too hard on himself. He wants to be perfect. And there are not perfect look at Patrick Mahomes and the way the season started last year for him and all those interceptions and all the issues that the Chiefs had when we were talking about, oh, they've cracked the code on Patrick Mahomes. No. He kept taking his chances. He kept throwing his no looks. He kept throwing his sidearms. And you know what? It all worked out. And they ended up in the AFC championship game. So I think that's something that Justin had to overcome, you know, in order to be the great quarterback that he is, is you're going to make mistakes, but cut it loose. Just cut it loose because it's all good. You have the talent to overcome it and get him back on the next drive. And I think after that first three and out and going down 10 nothing, I just, I, I truly believe this. I feel like something clicked. I do. I just, I feel like that first throw to Bandy that was late and went for either no gain or a loss of a yard or one yard, it's just like, what are you throwing that for? Like, that, you know, like Justin, you know that play is going nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like something just happened. Something happened in that game where we saw him start to move in the pocket, looking downfield. And, and this is something Dan brought up, and I think it's a fair point. And you know what? It was something that, we, that Daniel, on the, the DJ on the, on the game, Chris, brought, said – that's what I want to see. He said, you know what I think? Dan said, I think Justin Herbert just throws balls downfield just to throw them, even though guys aren't open. Yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah. Make that a threat. I mean, how is that? Like, I don't know how he could possibly spin that as a negative when it's like, that's what you want him to do. You've got to keep the defense off, uh, you know, honest. If your guys aren't fast enough or aren't strong enough to get off press or aren't getting open downfield – you still got to make those throws no just question. to let the defense know I'm willing to do it. And if you sleep on it, you know, I got the arm and you know, I've got the accuracy to crush you for a home run. No doubt. Same breath. We got to be realistic about the personnel, right? Like 100%. there's no Keenan. There's no Mike. Uh, the, the, the offensive line injuries have been just crippling this year, right? You know, no Rashawn Slater. Corey goes out for a stretch. Trey's been in and out. Um, so storm may start this Sunday. I, I like the fact that they just grinded it out money and, and they found a way. And that's been the theme of the first eight games, finding ways to win. Um, and, and they've done it. They've, they've won these close games. I think the, the other close game that they were in, they should have won in Kansas city. The other two were blowouts. And I think the Jacksonville game was, was more of Justin coming off that rib injury in, in Seattle. Just, they got outplayed in all three phases. We'll know a lot more. Two weeks from today, uh, when we're talking about uh, going to Arizona after two straight Sunday night games against the 49ers and Chiefs, I don't want to spend too much time on this Falcons game, but but just there's so many wacky plays in that game. Austin Eckler's uh, touchdown that that wasn't a touchdown. The the, the Khalil Mack bully ball uh, strip from from Drake London, Brilliant. the double fumble. I mean, calling that game. What was that like for you and DJ? Just seeing these ridiculous plays throughout the course of 60 minutes now one you know Khalil I've said this when people ask me about Khalil Mack is just there are certain individuals that you come across that when you see them you're like my god that is that is a bad bad man and Khalil is one of them the way he's built just the thickness of his his stature is different than other guys you know there are you know, same with Joey. You know, when you see Joey, you're just like, look at those levers. I mean, just how now you're like, okay, I get it. Now I know why people can't get their hands on him. You know, Khalil's one of those guys just from a stout, thick, intimidating presence standpoint. And that, I, that, that kind of play, I think, encapsulates the player that Khalil Mack is. He is athletic. He is fast. He is fierce. Uh, relentless, you know, it, so that was a fun play to call. Just straight up, give me the ball. Get out of here, Rook. You know, welcome to the NFL. I'm just going to take this out of your hands. I'm going to snatch your chain. Yeah. That was great. Um, the Eckler fumble, because I've been here since Austin's been part of this team, and, and look, Austin said it. You know, it was, it's a real bummer because he has had some big fumbles and some big moments and some big games. And 
when they had that ball and Atlanta's out of timeouts, we're like, all right, only thing you can't have here is taking a sack. Like, didn't even occur to us that a fumble could be a possibility. I just assumed they'd give it to Austin and they were going to pick because of where they were at the time of 24, I think. Yeah. It's like, they'll just pick. I don't, I don't know where Dicker wants the ball. Does he want it left hash? Does he want it center? Does he want it right hash? They're going to hand the ball or Herbert's going to keep it and he's just going to move the, the launch point. So when he fumbled it, um, it was just a gut punch because I thought about Jacksonville. I thought about Detroit and you know, and I think it was, and that's one of the reasons we love Austin is, you know, after the game, he's like, hey, look, man, it's great we won, but I'm just sitting here freaking sick to my stomach, yeah. you know, about that play. Um, and then there's the flip side. Look. It's seven, seven seconds later, though. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> seven seconds later, the guy's, you know, drops the ball. He's, hey, when you get a ball and you're a big man, I get it. You want to you get some yards, but just you got no timeouts. Just get go down. ahead and get down. Get down, yeah. big man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, and then what happens? Then, then Justin Herbert reminds everybody that he's Justin Herbert. And, you know, you credit Josh Palmer, who looked like Keenan Allen on the inside, on the slot, press man, shimmy, jukes his guy, and he is wide open on that slant, and there's Herbert waiting for it to develop downfield, delivering a strike in stride. Dicker with the game winner, you know, great story there. Um, I want to say this about he, Austin, he, though. He was going to a quick. Carrie Underwood concert. He was going yeah, to a right. Carrie Underwood concert. And he Got said – On his way there. I, I gotta go. To, I gotta go to LA, right? Um, I want to say this about Austin, though. You know, like for the fumbles, yes, it's whatever he said it, and that's why I'm addressing it. But we're watching one of the best running backs in the NFL every yeah. single week. Like, do not get it twisted. This guy is going to lead the NFL in scrimmage touchdowns again this season. He is going to have more than 20. His ability to shed contact, the touchdown you talked about it. I called it. Uh, I didn't call it a touchdown, and then when we saw the replay, I did my touchdown shot. I did it because I'm like, oh, yeah, he's in because we didn't see that opposite angle with the elbow. All we saw was the knee. I was like, yeah, his knee is not down. Holy cow, this is going to be a touchdown. And that just speaks to how – like, like that's what Austin is. He's not going down, man. You think you got him. His first touchdown, right? You think you got him. You pop him, and he backs up two yards. Doesn't matter. Into the end zone touchdown. Um, he's so good. There's a play – I remember there was a play in the Chiefs game where he caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage, and there's got to be four or five Chiefs in front of him. First guy hits him, shakes him, splits the next two, stiff arms the next one. Like, he's so freaking good. Um, he is, I got some of my Eckler notes for the game here. Uh, since, since last year, 30 scrimmage touchdowns. The next highest number is Joe Mixon with 24. Like it's not even close. And didn't he? He's and got, he had five of them Sunday. <laughs> Mix it exactly. Exa <laughs> yeah, and Joe had five of those on Sunday. Exactly. He's got the fifth most games with a rush and a receiving touchdown in NFL history. Uh, Marshall Falk is has got fifteen of them, and that's the most. And Eckler already has ten. Um, wow. He's got four this year. The record for a single season was Chuck Foreman in 1975. The record is five. Like that's. Like that's how good he is because the Chargers have Justin Herbert and Derwin James and Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Like, I think Austin gets overlooked. Um, I, I really do. And it's crazy. And he's first in the NFL. I'm like, I'm just blowing through them all because there's so many great ones. And I'll get to him through the course of the game. But he's first in the NFL in yards after contact. And I'm sorry, yards after catch. First in the NFL, yards after catch. 463, better than Cooper Cup. Um only Christian McCaffrey has more 10-plus receiving uh, reception games in the and NFL that's the guy, right now. Th that's the guy you compare him to the most, I think, over the last few years, and those guys are going to share the field on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, those are probably the two best all-around running backs in the game in terms of catching the ball, um, being relied upon to do a lot of different things. Um, seeing Eckler and Christian on, on the field on Sunday is going to be a treat. Um, before we get into San Francisco, uh, another tweet that you had. Listen, we've been banging that Isaiah Spiller drum on Chargers yeah. Weekly all year. Well, you and have for sure, Chris. It's been a, that has been a Chris Havery thing for certain. You want to see your Isaiah Spiller. I, I do. I do. And, and you know, I, yeah. I, I think we saw a little bit of, of what he can provide to this offense um, in, in giving Austin uh, a little bit of a breath from time to time. Uh, two o'clock and then – the pass protection. I mean, the, the the clip that you showed really encapsulates 
why I think we need to see a little bit more of Isaiah Spiller. Well, that's the number one with rookies. Can you, you know, can you hold up and pass pro? And to, to see what he did, uh, shoot, who was that? It was the rookie, uh, the former quarterback that became a linebacker out of Montana. Shoot, what is his name? Is it Troy Anderson? I think that's his <sighs> I don't name. Know. But just that play, watching a running back not sit there and wait and try to redirect, but like, hey, I'm coming, and I am coming for you. And to initiate contact, and then when Justin's holding on to the ball, trying to make something happen, the key to that play was the secondary block. Because a lot of times, running backs will be like, all right, yeah, I got my guy, you know, and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, no, you know, quarterback's still got the ball, you know, they got a clock in their head, and they're like, well, I'm sure the ball's out. And for Isaiah to be like, no, I'm not done with you. I'm, I'm freaking going to decleat you and throw you three yards this way. I think it shows, one, strength, two, recognition, clock in his head, just a savvy play. It was a real savvy play. Um, so for me, it's I, – I think that play – and look, he ran the ball well too. I, I think he only had three carries, but, um, but he ran the ball really well. Um, and I think he's – I think he's definitely earned more reps. We did not see Sony much after that. It was Spiller and, and Eckler, you know, kind of from there like, okay, we can trust him. You yeah. passed the test, Isaiah. <laughs> you passed the test. We, we asked you to pick up a block. You really picked it up. So now Justin's feeling good about you being back there, and he's not going to second guess whether or not a guy's going to pick up a block if, if he's going to stand tall and there knowing a blitz is coming because he sees it. We got a long way to go too, right? You got you nine more games. Um, you're going to need to rely on this running game. Austin, he's so public about the fact that he doesn't really consider himself like this undisputed bell cow, right? So, you know, with Josh down, hopefully Josh gets back here sooner than later. Um, maybe, maybe you see a little bit more Isaiah this Sunday against the 49ers. All right, Money, let's get into the San Francisco 49ers. Sunday night football coming off a of bye. Uh, they seem to figure something out against the Rams. Christian McCaffrey. Look like he's been there all season. Um, Brandon Ayuk has 21 catches, 246 yards, and three touchdowns the last three weeks. We know George Kittle's George Kittle, and Debo Samuel is healthy. Uh, they are uh, a force offensively. Uh, this will not be easy. No, it's a tough matchup. It, this, you know, both sides of the ball is a tough matchup for the Chargers. I don't think there's any two ways about it. Uh, they run the ball well, no matter who's you know the running back, and now you've got arguably the best running back in the NFL back there. So, you know, they, they're doing it with six rounders and undrafted free agents. Doesn't matter who Kyle Shanahan puts in the backfield. They're effective. And now that that runner is Christian McCaffrey. And one of the things I noticed in just kind of watching that that Rams game, and, and I, I think I watched the Rams game and I, I watched the Atlanta game where they didn't play well. But like one of the things Jimmy Garoppolo is so good at is he'll start deep. He'll 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 look for that shot. And he's totally comfortable standing in the pocket. And then, you know, there's your outlet. There's freaking Christian McCaffrey just waiting. And two guys miss. And it's 15, 20 yards. Like, it's rough. The other thing they do really well is their tight ends block and their wide receivers block. It's like it's not just the five men up front that you're dealing with in these run games. It's it's big, thick, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. You know, they're running three tight ends with Dwelly and Kittle, who's, at, you know, arguably the best all-around tight end in the league. They are blocking everyone. Um, so that's going to be a challenge for a team that has struggled to slow down the run. You know, they gave up another 200 yards to the Chargers last week against the Falcons, and this team is considerably better at blocking it up and, uh, and running it. And, you know, they do it. In a very, you know, that's uh, well, it's not even a Sean McVay style. It's the Kyle Shanahan style. It's where Sean McVay got it. But there's just so much pre-snap that you're trying to figure out, you know, jet sweeps. And here goes Ayuk. Oh, and now he's looping back and he's taking a pitch. Oh, wait a minute. Now he's passing the ball. It's McCaffrey. It's There's so much of that. Um, so it's a real, it's a true riddle that you're trying to figure out on, on offense. And it's going to be a heck of a matchup between Brandon Staley and and Kyle um, in this matchup. I'm excited to see it because, you know, you have, you have those Swiss Army knives that can, that can make a difference, right? You have Derwin James and Drew Tranquil that are capable of, of, you know, kind of erasing maybe, not erasing mistakes, but just kind of overcoming maybe wins up yeah. front. Uh, it's a really good offensive line now that Trent Williams is back. 
I mean, when you go through it, I'll just pull it up real quick. Uh, where is it? Like you look at their pressures. Um, I mean, you, you've got outside of McGlinchey, who pro football focus is tagged with five of their sacks. Um, you're talking about like no pressures. I mean, it's 10, it's 12, it's things like that. So they're really good at blocking it. Now look, they don't throw a lot. So there's, that's also part of it. You know, when you like the, one of the weird things about the, uh, about the 49ers, you look at their offense, uh, they've only run 480 plays. That's 29th in the league. That's all they have run. And yet their victories are the largest margin of victories in the NFL, like in their wins, they have won by an average of more points than any other team in the league. Oh, actually Jacksonville, but they only got three wins. But you see what I'm saying? Like they've, they've got explosive plays down like that's. And we talked about that with the Falcons, right? Slow down the explosive plays. They really just gave up the one and, uh, and they were able to contain that offense, the Falcons offense to 17 points. So they're going to have to do it again in in back-to-back weeks and that's just the offense I mean and I know Chris you'll get into the defense and you know the headaches that that freaking unit causes yeah well well that we'll get to that unit in a second I I feel like Atlanta right with with uh Huntley and Algier and Patterson and London and Pitts like move everybody up a tier right Kittle for Pitts Ayuk for London and then the the Niners running game over Atlanta's running game with with McCaffrey and Debo, um, but I, I tweeted this a couple of days ago, and, and I just I don't know what it means. It's, it's just it's interesting to me. You, you kind of alluded to it with the, with the Niners. Eight of their games this year have been decided by nine points or more, win or loss. So yeah. like they're not play, the only close game they played money was Sunday night against the Broncos that that eleven ten game, right? And, and then the Chargers, their last three wins have come by a combined eight points. So like. I guess, that, I guess that's good, right? You, you're winning close games. Um, but I, I just think offensively, man, it's going to be really tough. You talked about like these chunk runs that they give up each and every week. And with no Austin Johnson, that's just another guy on the defensive line. Um, that you're gonna, yeah, you're going to have to replace. Defensively, I think for Chargers fans, uh, Jason Verrett is probably going to make his return against the yeah. Chargers on Sunday. And I, and I know, you know, if you follow this team for a long time, he was a fan favorite here. He's overcome a lot of adversity, but you mentioned, I mean, they, they have a lot of speed. They're physical. Um, I don't know where you want to start with that defense. Maybe yeah. Fred Warner. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to start with Nick Bosa because that's going to yeah. be a problem. Yeah. You know, that's that's going to be a big problem, um, regardless of which side he lines up on. Jamari's done a great job this year. Hasn't given up a single sack. It looks like, I think, just kind of based on what we're seeing at practice right now, that it's going to either be, you know, it's probably going to be Storm or it's going to be Foster Serrell. It doesn't look like it's going to be Trey. I know they're calling him a game time. But, you know, and look, he's he's gutted it out. And, and yeah. I think it just speaks to how well Trey but has if played he plays, this year. That but if he plays, he, he ain't going to be 100%. Exactly. Whoever Nick Bosa goes up against is going to be at a severe disadvantage. Um, And, you know, Eric Armstead is just getting back into the swing of things. You know, he just showed up again after missing a a lot of games. So now you got him to deal with on the interior, all six foot eight, 340 pounds of him. Um, And and then, like you said, that next level, you know, with Greenlaw and and Fred Warner in the middle of the field, and Ebukam coming off one of those edges. You know, he's got a couple. Like, when you go through their defense, there's just so many sacks. Like, you, Ridgeway's got a sack. Uh, Nick, obviously, is one of the league leaders with eight and a half. Drake Jackson, the rookie, has got three of them. Uh, Omanahu's got three. Hyder's got one. Arms, you know, like we said, Armstead's just coming back. He's only played three games and only played 30 snaps against the Rams, 40% of, of the snaps because they're easing him back in. Um, Kevin Givens has got a sack. Ebukam's got those three and a half. Fred Warner's got one. Like they bring it from so many different places, um, and it's it's gnarly. It's the one thing that I'm hopeful is that maybe, like you said, Verrett's going to be back, and we know how good he is when he's healthy. He's just played so little football. Yeah, you know, I think you can get after their secondary a little bit, um, but do you have time? You know, will you have time to get after that secondary is sort of the big question. Yeah, and just, you know, the, the personnel mismatch, I guess, with, you know, Keenan, as we tape this, has not practiced this week. Um, not sure if we're going to see him. 
Mike Williams won't be in the game. So they're going to be riding with a lot of the same dudes from last week. It's going to be a big game for Joshua Palmer. Gerald Everett's going to have to play mistake-free football and uh, in that running game. Um, you know Austin's going to be a big part of it, um, whether it's Sony yeah. or Isaiah. Um, maybe you get Herbert on the run a little bit more money. Like, what, what do you think the key is offensively, knowing that, you know, we've talked about it every single week, like without the speed on the field, going downfield could be an issue. And if Justin doesn't have the time, it makes it even harder. Well, I think you're going to have to move him. You know, you cannot just have him drop back and, and go through progressions and throw. It's going it, to – there's not going to be a lot of time in there. So it's going to be a lot of, I think, designed, hey, let's get some extra – and look, we said this a little bit last week, but, man, the tight ends just got to do a better job of blocking. You know, the, they, they're going to need help. The, the five offensive linemen are going to need help blocking, which means, you know, and, and you knew that when you signed Gerald Everett, that you're signing more of a receiver – than a, a blocking tight end or a full-service tight end. And I think they avoided, you know, I think they, they, they avoided that by, you know, hoping that Trey McKitty was going to take that next step as a blocking and full-service tight end. And it just, for whatever reason, has not come together this year. He's really struggled to block this year. So I think they're going to have to figure that out. Tight ends are going to have to help. Wide receivers are going to have to help block. And when it's not Mike Williams and Keenan Allen out there doing the blocking with all that size, that's very tough. Obviously – you know, because of their, their stature, Bandy and DeAndre Carter are not blocking wide receivers. It's just not how they're built. Um, so they're, you know, I think they're going to be at a, at a pretty good disadvantage on that front against this, this pretty nasty front of the, the 49ers. So I think you're going to see a lot of movement. Um, it's going to be hard to run because you said Fred Warner, you know, and Dre Greenlaw back there are both really good. At, at that next level of just click like when you look and you know when you look at a team and you see their leading tackler as a safety you're like all right we're gonna get some runs off here when you see their two leading tacklers are both linebackers that creep up at the line of scrimmage you know you got problems what about Hufanga you know? man exactly the Trojan and second yeah exactly second year out of out of USC you know fifth round pick and he has really flashed as a, a playmaking safety you know it just kind of flies all over the field um you can take advantage of that aggressiveness a little bit but he's been really, really good, um, and he's their third leading tackler, you know, and has three interceptions and has five tackles for loss and has six passes defense. Like, he's been really, really good. So it's, it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be a, a tough deal. They're going to have to force a turnover or two. You know, we know Jimmy's been – Jimmy Garoppolo has been apt to, to throw up a what-the-heck-was-he-thinking ball or two in a game. Yeah, and when that happens – because it's going to happen – and when it does, you gotta you gotta secure it. Kind of going back to that Chiefs game in week four, you know week two, it's like, hey, you know that Patrick Mahomes gonna throw some up for grabs, and when he does, you gotta get him. And they got him, and unfortunately, they didn't get him. You know, of the four you know passes that were interception worthy, they had their hands on two, intercepted one that got overturned by a BS penalty, uh, and then Asante just could not quite corral. I thought he had it, but it was you know close enough that they overturned it. So I think when those opportunities present themselves. Um, you know, you're going to have to you're gonna have to cash it in. And I think, you know, Derwin and Drew are two of the guys I'm looking at to, to, to do that. And same with Nas. You know, let's see if you can make Jimmy pay for his sort of lax approach at times to, to throwing the ball downfield. Popper had his predictions article this week, and I think one of them was, hey, Derwin's playing great football right now. He's got three sacks, but he hadn't taken the ball away yet. He expects to see that, and maybe that starts on Sunday. I, I mentioned this on Monday, too, at Muddy. I, I feel like you have to remember this rep against Kittle last year in training camp. They, like those dudes went at it and he picked off Jimmy to close one of those practices. And it was one of the most intense battles I've seen in a training camp. You know, those joint practices are fun because you really do see these guys go at it, but to see like all pro on all pro Kittle versus Derwin, I, I'm sure we're going to see Derwin all over the field, but you're going to see him on Kittle for stretches. And I can't wait for that. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh, and, and again, that's the great thing about Derwin is you can choose how you want to deploy him. There's so yep. many different ways. Um, and if it's Kittle, just to eliminate Kittle, I have full faith that Derwin's capable of, of neutralizing him. Um, if you want to, I, I like him close to the line of scrimmage. I like him impacting. I like him close to the ball. You know, let's yep. get Derwin close to the ball where he can make plays. Um, and look, if you feel, see, the problem is, is man, just the, 
if you take away Kittle, you still got Debo and Ayuk and McCaffrey. Like there, there's a reason why a lot of people think this is the team that's going to rep the NFC in the in the Super Bowl, even though they're four and four right now. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pick your poison team. Hey, I got good news though. Pra's uh, Danny Marcus said said this to me. Justin Herbert is two and zero at Levi Stadium. Thirty seven fifteen in the twenty nineteen Pac twelve championship game. You know what the other one was, money? Man, what would the other one be? It would, the other uh, one. I'll give you. I'll give you ten more seconds, and then I'm just. I, I won't get it. Go ahead. The the twenty eighteen Red Box Bowl. Oh, there we go. The the Red Box Bowl. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read the lead from Timothy Rapp's uh, 2018 Please. article. Uh, for fans of low scoring defensive stalemates, <laughs> Oregon's seven six victory over Michigan State in Monday's Red Box Bowl was thrilling theater. For everyone else, though, reading a movie from Red Box might have been more exciting. There you well, go. It goes back to you know what we talked about at the start of the pod, right? of what Justin was asked to do at Oregon and, yeah. and how they wanted him to play football. It was unfortunately, you know, pounded uh, into his football head. Do not turn the ball over. Do not turn the ball over. Our defense is good enough. And, you know, at times, you know, perhaps what some of the national talking heads are looking at is him regressing to that mentality of, you know, we can't afford to turn the ball over. We don't have, we don't have our full complement of weapons. So the last thing we can afford to do is give it to the other team. Uh, at an inopportune time. So, yes, the Red Box Bowl, I think, illustrates that point perfectly. But he won. And he that's won. what this Seven has six. been. That's what this season has been, right? They, uh, the Chargers have won. They are 5-3 and three despite being down, you know, all pros. Joey Bosa, Rashawn Slater, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Corey Lindsley for a while. Like, they've managed, you know, a, a hobbled Justin Herbert with fractured rib cartilage since the second half of week two. Um, and they've just won. You know, and these next two are going to be really tough. Um, by no means am I conceding, but they're going to be really tough. That's why the Atlanta game was so important. I thought it's like, yes, it's going to be hard, but it's winnable. These two are going to be re- – these, these are your two, I think, for the most part, especially with the injury to Josh Allen right now and the uncertainty surrounding that elbow. I think these are probably, if you pulled, you know, the people that cover the league – these would be the two picks for representing each conference in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think yeah. you would see more people take the 49ers and Chiefs than any other teams right now at this particular moment, and the Chargers are going to have to face both of them uh, severely undermanned. So they can do it. They got Justin Herbert. They got Derwin, Khalil, you know, Tranquil on that side of the ball. They've got Austin Eckler and Justin on the offensive side of the ball. They can do it. It's just going to be mistake-free, no explosive plays, got to execute um on third down and and try to keep the ball out of their hands and try to maintain a drive and not have too many three and outs where you're already thin defense against a very physical offense that just wants to run the heck out of it and pound you um you know all game long so in the fourth quarter you just kind of fall apart that's just the style of game the 49ers want to play listen we know Sunday's going to be a challenge if I could just look ahead because the team's not but we can um that Chiefs game is going to be critical, man. If you if you beat the Chiefs, and I'm, I'm looking at this two-game stretch, of course, you, you want to beat the Niners, and you want to get the 6-3. and three. Um, But if you beat the Chiefs, you're 3-1 you're in the division. You've split the series. You still play Vegas and Denver. Both are struggling. Um, you put yourself in just excellent position for – a division title, or at least a wild card. In an AFC right now where I think there's nine teams competing for seven spots. I think that's kind of what, what it's yeah. going to be for, throughout this back half with, with the Patriots and the Bengals and the Dolphins and the Jets and the Chargers. Um, but, again, I'm not discounting this week at all, but I, I'm just looking, I'm looking forward to next week because I think maybe more guys can come back. Maybe the, more guys are eligible to come back um, for the Chargers and – you know, and if you can get an NFC win on the road Sunday night football, man, even better. Get to six and three with a little momentum going into back to back Sunday night games. I think you said it. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take almost a perfect game. I think just the way yeah. the teams are are playing right now, the personnel that's available. Look, the the Forty ers have been racked with injury, but they're getting their guys back. You know, Trent Williams is back. Eric Armstead is back. Nick Bosa is out there. Ayuk uh, is out there. You know, they've acquired Christian McCaffrey. Like they. 
their guys are back. Jason Verrett, you talked about, you know, making his debut. Like, they're getting guys back. The Chargers don't have them yet. They just got to figure out how to tread water until – because they're coming. Mike Williams is going to be there. You know, Keenan's going to – they're going to just rest him because obviously they tried to get him back in that Seattle game. It just wasn't happening. Um, So they'll just have to keep resting him until that hammy is right which I'm assuming will be, I'm hoping it's in the next couple weeks. My gosh, you know, eight, nine weeks on a hammy is just unheard of. So I'm assuming that's going to be, you know, Keenan's back by Arizona. Mike's back by Arizona. Maybe Joey is back by Miami. You know, they're talking about Rashawn Slater. As crazy it is to think, you know, if you make the playoffs that Rashawn could be available. So they've just got to, you know, I think 10 and seven, just kind of think that, keep thinking 10 and seven. How do we get to 10 and seven? Um you know, figure out how to get there. How Whatever the path looks like, don't care how ugly it is because if this team gets in the tournament and they are healthy and all those guys are back, then we're going to feel the way we did after six quarters of football between the Raiders and, and Chiefs and, and coming out of Kansas, you know, coming out of the half at Kansas City. I, I, you know, what? I, I just – I liken this to last year with, like, Cincinnati. Like, nobody thought Cincinnati was a Super Bowl team at this yeah. time last year, right? And they caught fire – and they started to, to gel as a team. And uh, I'm not comparing that this Chargers team to them. I'm just saying it's it's a long season. It's 17 games, man. Like, there's a lot that's going to happen this the back half of this year. The, the, I guess the biggest thing, Money, is they can't lose anybody else. Like, they can't lose anybody else. Like, and they and, you just know, lost Austin Johnson, like, every week it's somebody. Last thing I want to talk to you about, and this probably doesn't mean anything, but I, I, I find these kind of storylines fascinating, right? The, the 49ers were here last year. Um, Staley had to scheme up uh, against the 49ers when he was with the Rams. Anthony Lynn is the assistant head coach, uh, running backs coach uh, for the 49ers. So he has Christian McCaffrey as his pupil. Um, I, I, I find that kind of fascinating because because Coach Lynn, he knows a lot of these guys. Um, I don't know if that, that helps the Niners. Uh, I don't know if it helps Brandon Staley that he's, he has a little more familiarity with, with the 49ers and Sebastian Joseph Day's here and Troy Reader's here. Um, where do you fall when you talk about coaches in different places and how that may impact uh, a football game? Yeah, I don't put too much into it just because of how, you know, how large football coaching staffs and front offices are now. You know, they have so many people going over film and there are so many different things now available, uh, so many more data points that are being, you know, dissected and you're trying to find, you know, trying to live on those margins and find something you can exploit. So I think that's just become a little bit more prevalent in football as opposed to, oh, this coach kind of knows the tendencies of these players and the way they want to call the game. I think there is something to it. You know, certainly it doesn't hurt. I don't think yeah. it hurts at all to be able to say, you know what I noticed, you know, is like if there's a tell, like if they, they, they can say, hey, I, I know when this guy's, you know, going to take a shot, this is how he holds his foot prior to the snap or like, I, you know, things like that. I think that's where it could come into play in terms of kind of, having an advantage for for Staley because he coached those two games against you know Kyle and the and the 49ers I mean look Kyle is Kyle Shanahan has destroyed the Rams his entire career as the head coach of the 49ers just one of those things you know the Rams beat the snot out of the the Cardinals and the 49ers beat the snot out of the Rams it's just the way it works I don't know why but it is um, so I think I'd like to distance Brandon Staley from the Rams days <laughs> when it comes to the 49ers. Good point. The, 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 it has not gone well for, for Sean McVay since he became the head coach um, from the guy who mentored him and taught him everything he kind of know. Well, taught him a lot of what he knows uh, offensively. So it's ultimately it comes down to players. You know, it, it comes down to the players and executing the plays that, you know, you're being called to execute because typically there's going to be somebody open. There's going to be something to, you know, or there's going to be, you know, if you're on defense, you're going to be able to take advantage of, of a mismatch in front of you. And when, when it's there, you've just got to, I think that's, that's kind of what, what it breaks down to, you know, the, the chargers look at last week, right? Austin fumbles, the, the Atlanta Falcons get it. And then they fumble again. And instead of hanging their heads from being right there for a game winner, you know, they just reset. Justin throws a strike to Josh Palmer for 22 yards and bang, game's over. You know, take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you. And they were able to do that. The Falcons were not. Cameron Dicker looks like he's in line to maybe start two on, on Sunday night. Um, listen, two field goals in the fourth quarter. Didn't really know his teammates practice for a couple of days, got on a plane, 
uh, and did his thing. The yeah. Chargers have had some good luck kicking with all these guys. Bertolette, Hopkins, you know, so. Um, Tom can do no wrong this year with the. Uh, Tom's on fire. I'm sure he's just like, sweet Jesus. Uh, Tom's you know, on fire. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, there's a funny video, too, for the people that might not have seen it. Van Noy is mic'd up, and he's asking people oh, yeah. what the kicker's name is. Yeah. It's really funny. When they yeah. tell him it's Dicker, he's like, come on. It's, uh, <laughs> and then, but my favorite part of that video, though, is, is when he sees him, he's like, oh, man, look at that slow walk. Yeah, he's he, he's confident. Like he's, he's confident. confident. <laughs> and he's and I'll tell you this, man, when he kicked that one to tie it at 17, uh, DJ always makes fun of me for getting too excited about special teams, about punters and kickers and stuff. Um, but when he kicked that that field goal to make it 17 all, man, it just sounded different. He's got that dude's got a powerful leg. There are certain and I think I just picked up on it from doing the combine and being one of the I'm like, listen we've had we've had like maybe uh i don't know what the what the podcast awards are oh, but it's like, a record i, I would su- i would submit our uh our punning episode uh in like march for yeah. like uh for an award for some sort yeah for the r.i.p ray guy award exactly and yeah. uh and punting analysis but no seriously like like dicker's kicks sound different he's he's got a big leg i mean he can really that 37 yarder for the win that thing would have been good from 55 i mean that thing was a monster so um yeah get back out there it's going to be important you know especially if you're in a tight game and the the 49ers are not used to that see if you can get one of them inopportune jimmy garoppolo what the heck was he thinking throws take advantage of it get a win that's it back-to-back games on a national stage man you ready for santa clara it's not san francisco it's santa clara santa clara uh, it is yeah. not San Francisco. It is it is Santa Clara. It is a considerable distance from San Francisco that when we arrive, nobody will be going out uh, in San Francisco. So, no. yes, I think it's fair to call it Santa Clara. No chance. All right, guys. Uh, always appreciate you listening, watching. We'll see what happens up, uh, up in the Bay on Sunday and then get ready for the Chiefs. We'll have you covered next week. For money, I'm Chris. This has been Chargers Weekly.